Imagine, demand, and build a world transformed. Hi, everyone, and welcome to TWT 2020 and the talk, The Rent is Too High. Uh, my name is Harriet, and I've got the pleasure of moderating tonight's session. So I'm one of Momentum's vice chairs based in Cardiff. Um, I'm a trade union organiser and I'm active in my local Acorn branch. And also I'm a private renter. Um, I'm very interested in, to open up a discussion tonight about how we can organise tenants to resist the, the upcoming evictions crisis that we're all probably you know, worrying about at the moment. Um, so just before I introduce the session and the speakers, I've just got a few announcements I'm going to run through. So firstly, to make the session more accessible, we'll be using a live transcription service called Otter. Attendees using Otter will have to follow a link and open the transcript as a separate window. The link will be shared in the chat box by the tech volunteer in a couple of seconds. Um, if you're having any difficulties, please message the tech volunteer on the chat. And secondly, as I'm sure many of you many of you are aware, uh, TWT is free for all, but is only made possible by the contributions of our supporters. So if you're able, please consider supporting us at um, theworldtransformed.org uh, forward slash support um, to help us sustain our work all year round. And lastly, a few chat principles. We want everyone to feel welcome in these spaces and for everyone's voices to be heard. So please bear in mind that when please bear that in mind when you're engaging in the chat and please don't use inappropriate, rude or unkind language and please don't spam. Um, participate can't even say the word. Participants who violate these principles will be pre prevented from further posting in the chat or comment box. But if you do have a question or comment for one of our speakers, please do fire away um, and we can include them in the Q&A at the end. I stumbled over loads of that. I apologise. Uh, but now on to the session. So um, just to frame this, I guess, so this is hosted by Momentum and I just want to start talking about why we've kind of brought everyone here. Um, as many of you will know, Momentum has elected a new NCG and we aim to get Momentum into communities and campaign on the issues that members are most affected by. So that's one of our key strategies as an NCG going forward. And this is where we wanted to direct our focus towards the housing and eviction crisis. Um, so very, very briefly, I'm just going to run through what Momentum want to do and why we're here today. So firstly, if you're a Momentum member, we want to, uh, number one, encourage members to join and get active in their tenants' unions. And that's why we've invited the tenants' unions along today to speak about their work. Secondly, we want Momentum members to take motions to their CLPs, to lobby their MPs, their MSPs and their MSs to stop evictions in their constituencies. And thirdly, we want to run CLP education sectors sessions on how people can join the eviction resistance. So those are the key three things that Momentum are going to be doing. Anyway, that was a really brief run through of the campaign, but now I want to move on to our speakers. So I'm just going to introduce our speakers. So we have Owen Poley from ACORN. Um, Owen is the co-chair of the Bristol branch of ACORN, a fast-growing community union at the forefront of the fight for tenants' rights. He has worked in housing, homelessness and welfare rights for the last 13 years. Secondly, we have Amina Gachinga from uh, London Renters Union. Amina has been a paid organiser with the London Renters Union since January 2018, building locally with members in the Newham and 
Leytonstone branch. Sorry, London boroughs are not my forte. I'm from the valleys, but I got there, Leytonstone. Um, and then we also have Ghazal Hakani from the London Renters Union. And Ghazal has been a member of the London Renters Union for two years. She is also a textile artist and community researcher. So first of all, thank you to all the speakers uh, for coming today. But I'm going to hand over to our first speaker, who is Owen from ACORN. Thank you very much, Harriet, um, and thanks very much for having me here today. I must say it's probably the most nervous I've ever been in my own living room. Um, but I will, um, yeah, so I'm Owen. I'm co-chair of the Bristol branch of Acorn Community Union. Um, I'm going to speak at length about the union shortly. Um, but first, I just want to sort of focus on the challenges that lay ahead for renters in the UK. So as it stands on the 20th of September, the eviction ban ends. Um, a quarter of a million people have fallen into rent arrears since the start of the pandemic and are now at risk of eviction. People are going to be forced out of their homes where many of them have lost income or lost their right to claim benefits through no fault of their own and simply as a result of the pandemic and its knock-on effects. Many of those who will lose their homes are shielding due to ill health or will be forced to move in with others whose health is vulnerable. We're going to see the numbers of people rough sleeping rise and many families and individuals being placed in poor quality and overcrowded temporary accommodation. And we'll see people taking desperate measures to avoid eviction that will put themselves and others at risk. So there's no doubt that the lifting of the eviction ban is going to hit lower income people hardest. Um, it's exacerbated by the fact it coincides with the ending of the financial assistance schemes like the furlough scheme and also the ending of easements on benefit claimants. Um, and the disparity is even more amplified when we see that the ban on repossessions for homeowners has been extended until the end of October alongside a guaranteed mortgage holiday for the same period. Renters have not been afforded the same extended protection from eviction and no equivalent waiver of their rent. We cannot rely on the Tory government to make a sensible decision and implement a long-term extension on the moratorium evictions. We can't rely on them to make any sensible decisions. We cannot rely on the courts to protect tenants whose landlords seek to evict them. And even Labour-led local authorities are failing to extend the ban for their own council tenants, while somewhat hypocritically their mayors lobby the government to extend the national ban. So that's why we as unions need to act radically and creatively to use collective action to stop evictions in our communities while we're still very much in the midst of the pandemic. So to tell you a little bit about ACORN, who we are. So ACORN stands for the Association of Community Organisations for Reform Now. I won't expect you to remember that because most of our members don't. Um, but we are a community union, not specifically for renters, but a lot of our work has focused on tenants' rights because that's what's come up most for the people we 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 working with so internationally speaking acorn was found, founded in the us in the 19, 1970 as a collective of community organizations that advocated for low and middle income households and campaigned around issues such as affordable housing neighborhood safety and healthcare, as well as organizing huge voter registration drives in poorer communities at its peak acorn had half a million members across 100 cities in the us over in the uk um, ACORN was founded here in 2014 when three friends um, trained in community organising started knocking on doors to speak to people about the issues in their neighbourhoods. They called a community meeting which was attended by about 100 people and the number one issue raised at that meeting by some way was tenants rights and the poor deal renters were getting uh, across the city. Um, so after a couple of months of knocking on doors and signing up members um, we developed an ethical lettings charter. And this is when I started getting involved in ACORN. We had a Halloween horror housing protest when we ran around 
dressed in fancy dress to a load of um, estate agents around the city. And um, it was really great fun. I thought, wow, this is activism that is really positive, really fun, really like inclusive. It was just, it was just a really breath of fresh air. So the ethical lettings charter was through our lobbying endorsed by the mayor and adopted by the city council and some housing associations, letting agents and landlords. We also started taking direct action against slum landlords who were mistreating their tenants or failing to live up to their obligations and responsibilities. So we've built on these humble beginnings to massively expand our scope and the geographical areas in which we work as well. So as a community union, we're a member-led organisation of mainly low-income people with members paying dues of one hour's wage per month. We grow the union by knocking on doors, speaking to people about their concerns and by publicising and celebrating our wins. We build power in our communities by carrying out effective, well-organised and creative collective action against those who traditionally hold the power, whether that's landlords, businesses, local authorities or politicians. We're growing rapidly and we've now got over a thousand members in Bristol alone with branches and groups in 22 towns and cities in the UK, which in six years is like such amazing growth. We're so proud of what we've achieved in that regard. And we achieve countless wins, both lo locally and nationally. So we get direct results for our members, such as halting evictions, getting repairs done, getting compensation from landlords paid out, as well as securing emergency accommodation for survivors and other vulnerable people when they've otherwise been refused. On a campaign level, we've stopped the cutting of council tax benefit in Bristol, made banks drop mortgage clauses discriminating against benefit claimants, and been a key voice in the campaign to ban agency fees and end Section 21 evictions. There's loads more. Have a look at our website. There's tons of things, and not all of them about renting. We've stopped like, power stations being built by schools and all kinds of things. So personally, I was elected in January as co-chair to the Bristol branch, having been involved for a few years. Um, and I was there ready to organise to take buses under public control and campaign against developers not putting in affordable housing. And then boom, coronavirus hit and everything we were doing was just turned on its head. So we had to adapt and we adapted quickly. So across our branches throughout the country, we developed community support networks with an army of volunteers flyering neighbourhoods to offer assistance and then delivering shopping and medication and providing social support to those vulnerable and shielding. Um, in Bristol alone, we've assisted over a thousand households, many of those on multiple occasions. Nationally, we also launched our Housing is Health campaign. So this campaign is based on the notion that safe and secure housing for all is the first protection against the spread of coronavirus. When staying at home is the best thing we can do to stop the spread of the virus, we think it's pretty damn important that everyone has a home to stay in. So the campaign has six demands. One, is actually one the government have already promised but failed to deliver, which is a permanent end to no-fault Section 21 evictions. Um, outside of the ban times, it's Section 21 evictions are still the, the biggest cause of homelessness. So the government's still to deliver on that. Secondly, a rent waiver for the duration of the crisis. And this is really important. It means that any rent arrears accrued as a result of the crisis can't be expected or included in any future grounds for eviction. You know, you can keep kicking the can down the road and pushing the eviction ban back. Back, but ultimately the, the arrear situation is going to be the same. We want a, a waiver of those arrears. Three, to scrap current evictions. So landlords should have to start the process for any paused evictions from scratch once the ban on court proceedings is lifted. Four, protect mortgage holders. So a government legislated mortgage and interest payments freeze during the crisis with protection from repossession. So not just renters, we also do lobby for homeowners as well. 
Five, um, equality for lodgers. This is really important. Protection against eviction, we think, has to be extended to lodgers. Lodgers basically have no legal protection. We were seeing, like, in the midst of the pandemic, the worst bit of it, NHS workers who are already enjoying an incredibly tough time at work pushed to their limits, being made to leave their homes with no notice at all. Like, they need some sort of protection, particularly at this time. And a uh, extension of the eviction ban. So we, we want that ban extended for as long as is needed to protect the public health from coronavirus. And September the 20th in 10 days away, that is just not enough. You know, cases are rapidly rising again. It needs to be extended much further. So we've held two national days of action to publicise our campaign, um, most recently before the last eviction ban end date on August the 23rd. Um, where 18 branches took to county courts where eviction warrants will be granted across the country to protest the end of the ban. So given the end of the eviction ban is fast approaching, we're also now busy training community protection teams around the country. So these teams are mobilising to protect their neighbours from the COVID-19 crisis through direct action. Um, and that's principally by resisting evictions. And that's whether illegal or legal, there's going to be a a lot of illegal evictions, a lot of legal evictions, either way, they're immoral and not in the interest of public health at this time. So we will be resisting all of them. So we're drawing not only from our membership, but from the large number of volunteers that made our coronavirus support network and from the mutual aid groups that have arisen throughout the pandemic. So our community support work was great. It was really fluffy. It was very nice. We were like delivering you know, shopping, groceries to pensioners and stuff. And it, it was very fluffy compared to our usual sort of campaign work. But actually, it was great because it's given us a framework for our community protection teams as well. Um, so the community protection training is taking place both in person and online. So it's going to be raising people's confidence, building knowledge of possession proceedings. And we're using role play to simulate the various scenarios that may happen during an attempted eviction. The eviction resistances themselves are going to be well organised with alerts going out to local teams and with team, main, team members taking on a range of specified roles to ensure that we have the edge over landlords and bailiffs. We've already learned a great deal from previous eviction resistances and we'll continue to build on each resistance to make sure the next one is even more successful. It's so amazing when you help your community members, your fellow community members not get evicted it, it's so rewarding for members it's so it's obviously hugely beneficial for the person you're you're protecting um so on saturday the 19th of september we're going to be running community protection training in loads of towns and cities across the uk, the UK throughout the day so we've got several sessions um so we're gonna have simulated evictions taking place outside members houses with the role play that I kind of mentioned before so if you're around, you don't have to be a member, but if you're around, get in touch with your local ACORN branch um, and get involved and get trained up. Um, finally, the last couple of things just to say is um, please sign our Housing is Health petition. We'll share the link to our website on the end. Um, so link to that. And also, if you basically, if you want to be part of a union that effectively fights for its communities, wins for its members and has a lot of fun doing it, then join ACORN. Thank you. That was a great way to end. Thanks, Owen. Um, I think you you kind of mentioned that like Acorn felt like a breath of fresh air for you. And I definitely can say that many of other comrades on the left felt the same, that tenants union organizing at the moment really does feel like, you know, the direct action that we need in our communities. Anyway, so thank you for that. We can come to that a bit more later in the questions. So I'm just going to hand over to Amina from London Renters Union now. 
Hello, everybody. Hey. <laughs> um, thanks for having us, like me and Gazelle, um, tonight. Um, yeah, I mean, where to start with renters' rights? Um, it's just like this. This is a moment. I think this is a really big moment for for us all um, to think about the fact that many many people are going to be in a very tough situation, already are in a tough um, situation with their finances. And um, it it means that we, we could have a bigger base to organize with. And it's really important for us to, to have the conversations on the streets. I'm just, I was just listening to Owen there and all the incredible work that Acorn's been doing. And it's just like, it just reminds me that like community is, all we have um and during this pandemic that has been um really yeah exemplified even further so so my name is amina um i'm an organizer with the london renters union um i organize in my local community which is newham and i've lived here like my whole life um and my community has been impacted by a lot of things like we had the Olympics 2012, um, which was, you know, uh, put in Stratford and that's where I've lived. And yeah, it's just meant that the house prices um, and the the rent in the area has really, really skyrocketed. And my area is like one of the most deprived um, places in, in the country. And so, yeah, it just really like, I, I'm a teacher as well. Um, I'm a music teacher. So when I went to school and taught kids, I could see that people, uh, the children I, I was teaching were being moved um, out of borough and like socially cleansed. And these tend, tended to be like black and brown working class children. Um, and so, yeah, I decided to get involved in organizing. Um, it's been a rocky, rocky ride over the last, uh, you know, over the last six months or whatever for everybody, I guess. But um our, our membership has increased um, like by 50%. So we've got over 4,000 members now. Um, and during the pandemic, um, members have been protecting each other by, and, and renters who aren't in the union as well, by creating resources um, so that everybody knows their rights during the pandemic and also creating like template letters, um, which people can use to ask their landlords for rent forgiveness. Um, and we've been calling for the government to cancel rent debt, to end evictions, to introduce rent controls, to end Section 21, um, you know, all of all of the things that ACORN's been um, calling for um, and others across the housing movement. And obviously we've got a Tory government, so they're going to try any which way to hold on to their landlord's rights. Um, <laughs> so it just, I guess, you know, we 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 had a campaign uh, called the oh, we have a campaign called the can't pay won't pay campaign in which we're co we are collective collectivizing um renters who are in rent debt um and are potentially facing eviction and i guess what we learned from that is that you know we're not going to have a mass rent strike in this city when people are feeling very very unsafe very precarious we're still in a pandemic so for me it's like it's teaching me and others that um 
there are no shortcuts in this. Like we have to build at the grassroots. We have to get out onto the streets. We have to make the links with our local organizations who um, are doing the most right now and keeping everyone alive, you know, mutual aid, all of that jazz, like we only have each other. Um, we have been running stalls across the city. We've got three branches at the moment, but we've also got new groups that are popping up. Um, so we have Hackney, Lewisham and My Borough Newham and Leighton Stone. Um, so we've been running stalls, we've been doing days of action as well. Um, and you know, the fact that the government has uh, lengthened the, the notice on evictions is substantial actually. It's gonna keep people in their homes a bit longer. Um, but just to say a bit about what we're seeing um, in the union, um, we're seeing landlords who had previously negotiated a rent reduction with the tenant come back to the tenant now and say, hey, I want that rent, even though they'd said, you know, they could have 20% or 50% off their rent. Um, they're coming back and saying, mm, I think I want to evict you now um, if you don't give me that rent. So the government really has to do something about the rent debt. Um, but obviously what we're saying is that as landlords have an asset, it shouldn't be it shouldn't be the tenants that have to pay um, for that for that debt. You know, um, there's a, there's a there's an inherent power imbalance here, and it needs. I think I don't know when I think about Labour, the Labour Party. I, I think that really that needs to be addressed. That okay, people are saying like landlords are suffering or whatever, and it's like okay, but they have an asset that they can sell. People are we have renters that are saying can you refer me to the local food bank because i'm choosing between food and rent so they're two very very different different um scenarios you know um so i think that as a union we're really trying to make the case that an end to landlordism is what we need and we need to build on the smaller steps to that because in in order for housing to be seen not as a commodity but as a human right and a and a basic need that everybody should you know have um have fulfilled it's like yeah like it's it's just awful that we have to pay for housing in the first place right um but anyway i digress so <laughs> we've also been having um quite a few members who have been illegally evicted during the pandemic um which has been really really um shocking and like some of these evictions have been very violent as well and they've been aided by the police so I think it's really worth thinking about especially in a place like Newham when you've got um many black and brown people or um other ethnic minority groups um that you know in this fight you also have the police who are there protecting property and protecting landlords and so where does that leave us you know like where does where does that leave um tenants in our communities um so yeah we're, we're also doing eviction resistance training a bit like acorn um training up hundreds of renters to be able to know their rights and also resist evictions before it gets to the stage where it's at the court level or you know the bailiffs are coming around like what can we do prior to that um to, to stop the eviction from happening um recently we had a landlord in 
Lewisham who wanted to, to evict a member and 10, 10 members came. It was really, really last minute. It was like the night before we got this warning and 10 members went outside the, the, the person's home and like stood there and linked arms together um, and, and sent a picture to the estate agent that was threatening to, uh, you know, uh, change the locks on the door that day. And that estate agent backed down. So those are the kinds of actions that we all can be doing. Those are those are the things that we need to normalize in our communities and visibilize. Um, and they're also the experiences that really um, transform people's thinking around uh, what we can do together in communities because people, there's an inertia, right? There's like a deep inertia because we're living in this capitalist system that that has permeated everyone, like this, this disempowerment. And so really what we want is mass participation. And the way that we do that is we get people into meetings, but we also take action, like, for, and, we, and we look at how, uh, what people think needs to be done about something and to to enable people to have the agency or think that they have the agency to do something about a problem that seems so overwhelming when we look at it from from an individual point of view but when we look at it from a collective point of view um, and actually have the wins then then it then it feels like something that can be accomplished so I guess I've gone on a bit of a tangent. I feel like my, <laughs> my talk's been a bit all over the shop. But um, I guess as an organizer, I'm thinking really deeply about what participation looks like because when our unions have mass participation and spaces where people can feel joyful, um, can feel like this is something I wanna do with my time because it meets my it, like my interests and my needs for, for human connection or, you know, or whatever. Um, this is a way I can be in the struggle, you know? And that's how we need to be thinking about building and organizing. That's what we're trying to do in LRU. So please, yeah, if you're in London, please join LRU. Um, you can sign up um, online. Um, you can come to our Get Active training um, where you learn more about the union and how, how you can get involved. Um, you can come to eviction resistance trainings and get really stuck in uh, to being part of this solidarity movement um, of, of gorgeous, wonderful people uh, making stuff happen across our city. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Amina. And I think you raised something that's like, it makes me want to cry. It's so beautiful. The idea that like people that might not come from, say, a trade union family or had experience of workplace organizing and knowing that solidarity that can be built for them being thrown into a terrible situation and then suddenly I'm 10 people outside the door trying to support them like oh it's so beautiful like oh the work yeah the work you guys do is yeah anyway I'm gonna get upset <laughs> why Harriet you know I do it all the time it's fine <laughs> <laughs> ah okay I'm gonna pass on to Gazelle now thank you so much Amina Hi, can you hear me now? Uh, I'm Gazal. I am from London Renters Union as well. And I am a member. I've been with London Renters Union for uh, about uh, two years um, from the beginning of 2018. So 
Um, this has been said uh, many times over that the pandemic has brought in sharp focus uh, the gross inequalities that exist. Um, uh, and among those inequalities, housing is a big one. Uh, it's the center of our existence, our well-being. Uh, again, uh, as Amina had said, I also live in Newham and 40% of our residents uh, were born outside the UK, including myself. Uh, now, if I told you this is a borough with the highest household debt and all its wards are consistently among the most deprived areas in the country, it has the second highest COVID-related death rate and 63% of the residents are of black and ethnic minority background. Would it surprise you? Um, I don't think so, uh, because we all can connect the dots between poverty, precarious work, insecure, unsafe, overcrowded housing, and people of color. The hostile environment for migrants isn't new, and housing is very much a part of it. Uh, denying people a safety net, even when they need it the most, is very much a part of it. Those on no recourse to public funds and, of course, undocumented migrants have been worst affected. Now, some of us console ourselves by thinking that at least our children will do better. They don't have to face uh, uh, situations like we have. Uh, but as a mother of two amazingly resilient children, I can tell you that's not true. Long-term insecure housing affects their mental health and it manifests in different ways. I am also a parenting facilitator, and I have seen that. I have seen how it worries parents across the board. Uh, I joined London Renters Union in early 2018, as I mentioned. And um, I must mention here that it was because of Corbyn that I felt inspired and hopeful enough to come out and connect with others in my community. I felt change was possible. And it has to be through grassroots movements like ours, like London Renters Union. I joined because I was tired of landlordism, uh, the broken housing system where we were paying 70% of our earnings in rent. And I feel now more than ever, ever, we are stronger. We are stronger when we have been successful in pushing the government uh, to do to make u-turns they have been extremely um i mean it, it's just it mind boggles the kind of mistakes and the kind of decisions uh, horrendous decisions they've been taking uh, the four weeks uh, it just is a joke that uh, there was an extension of four weeks but Nevertheless, there was something, and but we need more radical changes. And I think for that, we must connect and have those conversations. Um, there is, uh, as, as uh, uh, the speakers before have mentioned, there is a great shame attached to not being uh, able to provide a secure roof uh, for our children, for ourselves. But this shame and sense of failure, it, it's, it is quite powerful. And we always interpret it as uh, individual failure, even when in reality, 
It is an indictment of the society that we live in. Uh, it's extremely difficult to shake it off and look at it from the outside and analyze it that way when you are still living through the challenges of insecure housing. Uh, but it's different when you're part of the union. You immediately know you're not alone. You have this uh, amazing sense of solidarity where you are uh, meeting people, supporting people, accepting help uh, and giving help and knowing that we all have a stake in this. Um, and uh, so I would, um, I would ask you to have those conversations because I think a lot of people find it very difficult to uh, speak about this. And uh, those, though sometimes a, a, a small uh, conversation can be quite powerful. And um, uh, I also urge you to join uh, a tenants union, join London Renters Union, um, and um, be a part of of the movement to have something better because the housing system that we have is not fit for purpose and we can all imagine something better that works for all of us so yes that's all i have to say thank you thank you gazelle it was really important that you shared that with us um and really important that you talked about that element of sometimes people feeling shame um, and I just want to say that um, anyone that's watching this and feels that shame, it is not your fault. Um, and if you ever need the help of a tenants union, we will be there. Me, Gazal, Amina, Owen, we will be there. We'll be on the front doorstep and we'll be protected. Absolutely. You've got yes. your back. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm just going to move on to um, some, some wider questions for everyone. Um, so uh, just for the tech team to know. Um, so the first question that I'm... Uh, gonna ask everyone and I'll wait until they come on the stream perfect um is I want to know how your organizations like came to be like what's the what's the history of them um yeah just come in when you want so there's there's no pressure to speak but yeah if you want to come in then then please do shall I go yeah go for it <laughs> um so the LRU was formed in 2017 um, and initially it started as um, a project called Renters Power Project. Um, and it consisted of, it was like a coalition basically um, of groups who had been campaigning and fighting um, in different ways for renters' rights for a long time and also anti-gentrification as well. I was in one of the groups called Take Back the City, uh, but there was also Radical Housing Network, Hackney Diggs, um, Peach, who have had an amazing win in Newham really recently um, and had the council um, buy back 200, over 200 homes um, from Mears, which is an awful um, housing provider. Um, and also Rent Strike as well. So the, these groups came together and thought that, yeah, we need to build a bigger, like London-wide membership-based organization um, in order to build power and win in a large scale. Yeah. So, yeah, that's it. Um, Thank you. Sorry. 
Um, I think I sort of covered in, in my sort of openness of how Acorn came to be, but I guess a little bit about how how we've kind of grown um, and, and sort of how we've sort of gained traction. I guess really it's about like finding issues that resonate with sort of the, the broad community. Um, you know, we start with people and the issues come from there, you know, rather than us having sort of a predetermined idea of what we should campaign about. And also, we, you know, we started on small issues small issues that we can win um, and, and show our power. Um, you know, like an example of this is like, you know, as I think like Amina mentioned, like there's such a power imbalance between landlords and tenants. Usually the landlord holds all the power. You know, and you have a situation where you have a landlord who um, is harassing their tenant, um, isn't doing like vital repairs that need doing. And that tenant without a union, like just feels powerless often. Suddenly when you turn up at their house, the tenant, with five people in red t-shirts and a video camera alongside them, it is amazing how quickly you can shift that balance of power around. When you say, we're gonna, if you don't sort this out, we're gonna come back with five times as many people and we're gonna fly all your neighbors to tell you what a like slum landlord you are. That is amazing at like how quickly that turns around. And then you, you get that win and then the community see that when they come together, you can you know you can hold those to power to account and you can get change and then you can go for bigger targets and so i think that's how like we start we grow and also our actions are winnable and they're fun you know you want people to have a good time and you want to have like a sense of achievement and an ownership of what's happened um so yeah i think that's how we grow and also like door knocking is such a major thing for us like our start we're lucky to have quite a lot of staff organizers now because we've got so many members and our staff organizers are out knocking doors like four hours a day speak to people in their own homes about the issues that kind of matter to them so i think that's like how we've managed to grow Thanks. Um, Amina, did you want to come back in with a, a little story? <laughs> yeah, I, I was just thinking, like, listening to Owen, it made me uh, think back to 2018, because when I started with the, with LRU, we obviously didn't have a membership, right? So I had to, like, sell the dream a little bit. Um, <laughs> and whoever, whoever decided that that was a good idea to do in January, I could have killed them, I'm telling you, because it was... It, it, ah, we were out in the storms anyway. So we started having these little meetings, um, these little, what we called ward meetings, like locally. And like 10 people would show up at a meeting and it, you know, there weren't many of us, but we we're just talking about housing and like how, what people's experiences of it are. Um, and we wanted to take action, but we had no member solidarity model. We had no way of like supporting each other. We had no process, but we were like, we need to do an action. We need to just do one action that shows that when we come together, we're powerful. So this guy, this amazing man called Nana came uh, to a meeting and his ceiling was gonna fall, fall in because the landlord wasn't fixing the plumbing repairs that needs to be done. And he also had infestation and he lived with his young daughter. Um, and he said, yeah, I'm up for taking action. Barely a membership there, do you know what I'm saying? So it was exciting. So we went down to this estate agent and we went to deliver a letter and he had, we had a banner and we were taking photos outside and, and they were like, oh, come in, you know. Um, and we had this impromptu meeting with them. And within four hours, they had someone round to do the repairs. Um, <laughs> and it was just like, wow, like it works. Do you know what I mean? So that, yeah, thinking back to that, just go back to basics, like doing that door knock is so important. 
being out, being visible, making connections with local um, organizations and showing your wins. Uh, and I think Acorn, like, you show your wins. Do you know what I mean? Like, you're really good at communicating them. And I think that's what we need to do uh, to flex our muscle a little bit, you know? Amina, you make me laugh, man. <laughs> your energy is brilliant. Like. <laughs> So uh, for people watching, just to clarify that um, we're going to go through a couple of uh, questions from from uh, Momentum and then we're going to go into like the questions from the floor. So so don't worry, we're going to store them up. Um, so the second one I want to ask you guys is like a little bit more political. Um, I'm wondering how have you found your local authorities? Like have you found the local authorities helpful or not? Because we're all part, from different parts of the UK. So I think it would be good to hear what local councils are doing in this. And most of you have Labour councils. So I'm wondering, you know, how have they worked with you? <laughs> Who wants to go first? Can I answer this? Yeah, yeah, go for it. So I felt really disappointed, actually, with what we, our councils are doing. And I think, I mean, uh, to be fair, they are quite um, overwhelmed, uh, I understand. But I don't see that uh, sort of, you know, uh, solidarity and making those uh, statements which need to be made and uh, giving that... Um, support uh where it's needed out there so it's not really been as um uh, you know as as uh, we would have expected um i mean i do want to add to it i mean recently we've been really disappointed with some of the things that have happened we were expecting a meeting and then at the last moment they just they just turned around and said that oh well, we aren't sure you are supposed to have the meeting that you had uh, asked for, even though there were several emails and, you know, several confirmations back and forth. So, yeah. Wild. Um, I'm going to be asking my local Labour councillors to meet with uh, with us as ACORN, uh, as the ACORN branch. Um, and if they don't, uh, they'll be having some strongly worded emails in the upcoming elections. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> there goes that invitation rescinded. Well done, Harriet. Um, Owen, um, so I know that <laughs> I know you're from uh, from Bristol and you've also got a Labour council in Bristol, haven't you? I'm wondering. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Well, you know, we 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 sort of, you know, we consider ourselves have no permanent friends, no permanent enemies. You know, we, you know, we this council have been supportive about things, and we've been supportive about things they've done, and and, and the opposite in in some in some respects. Um, you know, and the council in Bristol at the moment is really good on building council housing and and that kind of thing. But you know, at the same time, we almost cause sort of mutiny in in their ranks amongst their their the councils um decision to reduce council tax benefit um and in the end we managed to campaign to get that overturned um but around around covid19 i've got to say i'm a bit i feel a bit similar to gazal around this because we've been a bit disappointed with how they have have been i mean we 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 lobbied them to say look yes the eviction ban is coming to an end but why can't you as a council say well, let's at least protect our own council tenants and extend the eviction ban. And they said, yeah, yeah, they've initially agreed. Our head of housing was like, not only that, we'll go to the other core cities and we'll try and get everyone on board to like speak out and say, yeah, you know, the, the eviction ban is ending too soon. And then 
they just in the end they completely reneged on it came back and did nothing and then the government themselves extended it for four weeks um so yeah we we were pretty disappointed around that really um and think that that could have actually been really strong if those core cities came together and said we are not for, for at least our own council tenants that we have control over we are not going to evict them because it is just it's not in the, the not in the interest of public health and and renters and everything you know and they didn't and i think that was a real disappointment yeah for sure um does anyone else want to come back in before i move on to the next one I think I, I I think that councillors and councils need to be doing more to get information out uh, to tenants about what their rights are. Um, but also, I think that like some politicians need to speak out about the pa the power imbalance between landlords and tenants because i think we're fa what we're facing sometimes when we're in meetings with certain politicians is it's like well the landlords are struggling too the landlords are in a pandemic too and it's like please like can you listen to the experiences of tenants who are literally often choosing between uh food and like paying the rent so we've got like midges i don't know why um so it's so it's just like that that power imbalance still isn't it isn't there it's like tenants and landlords are like this and we recently found out that our council has, has met with the landlords uh local like hubbub whatever you want to call it um before <laughs> sorry i don't know that i don't know the name but before us and it's like why like, why do you do that? Like, why do you do that? Don't do that. Like, we've got we've got so much poverty in our borough. And that is because of the rigged housing system that favors investors and developers and landlords. So we need change, please. Like, can you put out a public statement? Can you write about how it's impacting people? Even if you don't have the powers of central government, you can be calling for more. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's really important, actually, that we speak um, confidently about the power imbalance that um, you've just described, because it is one of the biggest comebacks that we get. Um, and I just want to rep John McDonnell as being a good politician who speaks out about this a lot. So I just want to rep him there. Um, but also the Landlords Association meets with the uh, Welsh government quite regularly, uh, uh, Labour government. Um, moving on swiftly. So <laughs> question three. This is also a really political one that I want to ask as well, because um, this is TWT. So I want you guys to imagine you're going into a meeting with Keir Starmer tomorrow. And what is going to be the first thing that you um, ask of the leader, um, the Labour leader? Who would like to go first? <laughs> to speak out, to say something, to... Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, maybe flip the back of his uh, membership card and see what the party is about who is it for what is the idea what 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 has given you know what is the what are the core ideas of it and stand for it you know stop uh, stop the silence so yes that's really what i have to say yeah because i would not want to mess with you <laughs> 
Does anyone else want to come in? What would you say? What's your what's your thing? You're muted, Owen. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry. Um, just to build on what Gazelle said, like, where is where is his voice? Like, you know, we heard about the eviction ban. He piped up a couple of days before to say, oh, yeah, the eviction. What, what have we heard from him since? Where, it hasn't been a PMQs. It's not come up. Is it going to come up in the next week? Is he going to pipe up a couple of days before? It's not enough. Like, you need to, like, like you need to start listening to renters unions like labor party listens to trade unions because we're only growing and like our voice is really important and yeah he needs to do a lot more he needs to speak out get behind tenants and not be worried about all these labor mps who are also landlords you know he needs yes. to actually yeah stand up behind renters beautiful amina go on <laughs> i mean Trash. That's a trash. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't, I can't deal with this guy. Like, I can't. I can't deal with him. I don't know what to say to him. Like, he, there's just so much, like, beyond housing, like, as well. It's just like, that, like Gazar said, like, the man is silent. Um, it's, it's like we didn't have a housing crisis before this whole pandemic kicked off anyway. And now it's even worse. But you're nowhere to be seen. And the landlordism within the party is a huge issue. Like we've got bear councillors, sorry, I'm getting street, but we've got loads of councillors in our borough who are landlords. So how are they ever gonna yeah. how are they ever gonna fight for tenants' interests when tenants are obviously gonna be poorer than landlords? Like it uh, I have nothing to say to the guy because I don't think I think he should just defect him with Dems or something because that's where he belongs. <laughs> because oh, I was off <laughs> so the full question um I'm just wondering in terms of like movement building um so people will be watching from different parts of the country um I'm wondering like how much you as different unions speak to one another um is there collaboration working across the unions yeah, so we have worked with you at the London Renters Union on quite a few things now. Um, I think we, you know, the um, ending of um, Section 21s and the renters vote in 2017 and 2019. And it's re that's really important for us because we, we haven't got a branch in London at the moment and you guys are smashing it down there. You know, so like it's really because we haven't got that presence there. It's really important that we're sort of, national, rep sort of representing the whole country's tenants like between us. And I think, yeah, we, we have been working to, get, to do so. And have continued been working together and continue to do so i mean you guys are just hearing you speak today are super inspiring and i just yeah definitely gonna keep working together yeah. that's good to hear isn't it, is it? <laughs> no, just, like, no it's true owen it's been really good like um we've co-written letters to the government um we've done actions on the same day or over the same weekend you know outside the courts and stuff and to know that that is happening across the country because don't get it twisted i am one of those people that is like once i get out of the m25 i don't know where i am but i know <laughs> that acorn is out there doing the most so <laughs> it fills us with so much hope that we've got this coordinated like we've got demands uh that are you know mostly the same um and that is really really important to have that strong voice across the country yeah. 
You can tell I really come to London because I couldn't even see Leighton Stone earlier. <laughs> Leighton Stone, mate. I struggle to get the word out. I apologise. Um, so the last question I'm going to ask before we open it up to questions from the floor is um, I kind of want to end on a little bit of a high. So obviously this is a terrible situation and a terrible low for us in the housing movement at the moment. I'm wondering if you can see any hope from this moment to try and build in those radical ideas into into the way our economy functions, because so many people are going to suffer that hopefully they won't stand for this again. So I'm wondering, you know, whether whether you think it is a high or could be a high. Who wants to go first? Owen? Um, sure. Um yeah, I, th I think this is an absolutely massive opportunity for us um, to grow and build build power. Like we we've seen, like since the start of the Corona crisis, our our membership like shoot up much more than it than it has before. And as the recession kicks in and people face even greater issues, we we have we have you know we have to take it as a horrible time, but we have to take it as an opportunity to grow. Um, so yeah, I, I think there is a lot of hope, um, and it's an amazing what what you can see communities do in in time in the worst possible times like the, the way communities came together um for during the you know the height of the, the crisis of the coronavirus was absolutely amazing it was so inspiring um and just like yeah brought communities together in ways that i've never felt before. i now know everyone on my street we have a whatsapp you know we can't we share food it's all the time it's absolutely incredible like we have to build on that and and we will Amazing. Yeah, I just think that it's, um, although it's called radical, but yes, these are ideas that I think their time has come and we need to convince people and we need to uh, get people to join us and, our, and, and speak together with us so that we can bring the changes that have been long overdue. For sure. Amina, do you want to come in? Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course, we we have to practice hope. You know what I mean? You have to practice being hopeful. I don't know who said that, but it wasn't me before. I've nicked that from someone. I can't remember who. But you have to practice it because, my Lord, like the way everything that's been going on, you know, whether it's Black Lives Matter, the pandemic, everything has been very, very overwhelming. But like Owen said, um, you know, it's been really inspiring to see people um, just really link up in these times and offer solidarity to each other. I think, I think we need to take this opportunity though to think about how we engage with people who aren't already politically active. So what is, what is the impact of the language you are using when you are engaging with someone who is very like skeptical? Yeah, how do we skill each other up to be able to uh, have someone step into their agency and we can all be responsible for that? I don't know if that makes sense. Like um, the way that we describe the union, you know, oh, the union's doing this. It's a big organization, but it's like renters are supporting other renters to do these amazing things. You need to be a part of it for us to be stronger. And that will help you and that will help, you know. So it's so really like, I think there's an opportunity, but I also think 
we need to be politic we, we need to be politicized with it or political with it but in a way that it doesn't we're not ramming ideology down people's throats because that sure does turn me off you know um <laughs> so hopeful but i want to get skillful as well do you get me <laughs> That's a great line. I love it. Um, I'm going to jump to the questions from the floor now. So um, so this is the first one. What impact will the ban on six people plus have on eviction resistance direct action? Um, I'll open it up to you. Um, all right, if I, if I start speaking to that. Um, yeah, it's something we really need to consider. Um, it's not going to stop us. Um, something we've been, because we, you know, obviously we took sort of a long time out of doing direct actions when when Corona was, you know, when we, the lockdown was at its strictest. Um, and we have started doing actions again now. And every action we have um, social distancing coordinators to make sure people are socially distanced. And, um, you know, everyone wears masks and we're, we're really hot on it. And ultimately those eviction resistances are going to need to have more than six people and that's going to happen so we will take it into consideration um but it's not going to stop us um resisting evictions because it's too important um and you know six people is is you know sometimes it's not going to be enough does anyone else want to come in on that pretty i, I guess because i think i feel i feel that we're quite sim in a similar position, right? If yeah. if my neighbour or if anyone in the union was facing eviction, I'd be outside, I'd be outside their door on their doorstep, you know, because that is really really important. But obviously, we need to try and figure out some safer ways to do things. I don't know, bit of rope between us. Who knows? Like we 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 need to get creative for sure. So uh, yeah, not all of these answers have been figured out and. Things are changing all the time. This government is moving mad. They're, they're shifting things all the time. So we don't know. We don't know what the future is. But I'm a bit worried about the police. You know, I'm like, I'm worried about their powers that are increasing um, with with COVID as the excuse or whatever. So I think we need to really think about our protest rights and how we can fight for them. Mm. Yeah, really good point. Gazelle, did you want to come in? Um, not really, but I think like we have done before, uh, you know, uh, we've had some people at one place and a few others at other uh, places, not really always together. So we have used, we have found creative ways of doing things and we can find more. Yeah, definitely. That's that's going to be the order of the day, I guess, isn't it? So the next person uh, I've got in the chat is from Arthur. And they say, I just joined Acon 10 minutes ago in York. Big up, Arthur. That's great to hear. Well done. Um, so the question on the screen is, you can see what sort of elementary practices would you say to someone who's just joined and how has being part of a union affected other areas of your life? Well, welcome to the union, first of all, the, our newest member. That's absolutely wicked. Um, I, I think, it, uh, have you got a branch in York? That's the first thing I'd ask. And I don't know the answer to that because I don't know all the, the, the names 
where all the branches are but get in touch with your local branch like your most local branch and get along to their actions like whether that's in york or whether that's in in leeds where, where we have got a branch or sheffield where we have got a branch i don't know but get along get along to their actions i think um and really like if you haven't got a branch where you are then we can help you build that so we have now national organizers who will come out to your city and town and will train a group of you um we'll sort of set up that initial committee where we have um democratically elected chair and general secretary and stuff for that branch and, and set that group and set that group up so having that initial sort of community organizing training i think is like the first step on the path um, and, and yeah like if you want to start a branch where you are brilliant because as i said we want branches and sitting in every like every sorry we want branches in every town and city across the uk um so yeah i think that's what i i'd say to you arthur thank you um in terms of like how acorn has impacted on other areas of my life um uh i i have a bit of a tr sort of tricky line to track because i i kind of i work actually do work for my local authority as well and i work in but i work for homelessness prevention in my local authority as a welfare rights advisor so i have to tread carefully so it has affected it um so i'm actually i do homelessness prevention for my day job and then i work i sort of act as um yeah an activist for acorn as well um so it does impact on it um but like it's time really well spent as far as i'm concerned yeah definitely does anyone else want to come in on uh what you would say to a new member and how they can get involved and the effects on your life so can i say something so uh i think it you start looking at uh, the community in a different way uh i think uh well at least with london renters union i'm sure with acorn as well the 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 um you can sense the solidarity and you know that you, you are in a safe space where you will be you are supported so you just automatically know that it is you, you are you know um that you can speak and you can offer support and also uh, train uh, uh, on things like, for instance, with us London, uh, in London Renters Union, uh, the um, rights on um, rent, what am I saying? Training on about uh, renters' rights. So skilling each other. And also, uh, I feel it gives this sense of community, which uh, especially uh, in when you when like for my myself, I'm a I'm a migrant. I don't really have lots of family here, and this becomes uh, this uh, family which you can lean on. So that's that's been amazing for me. Yeah. Mina, do you want to come in? Yeah, I, I was just, I, what does Arthur mean by elementary practices? Because I'm like, <laughs> I guess, yeah. Some ritual. What are the first things you should know? Or, yeah. So I think it maybe can be quite overwhelming for the first time a member wants to come and get involved in something because there's so many things to do. <laughs> so, um, I think like first come to like a get active training, learn about the history of the union, how we 
of how we're trying to build power, um, how we take action, the wins that we've had, what we've learned from it, and the the the, the sort of groups and the the teams that you can get stuck into. Because once someone comes in, does does a bit of that scoping it out, building relationships, chatting to people, making food. If we ever have that moment where we have like a meeting in a community center again, I will I will cry because I really really miss that um, vibe. But you know, there's loads of things that people can do within it. Um, we're doing a lot of like member solidarity response team calls. So if someone gets in touch and they want to know what the next steps could be with the union for their housing issue, then we've got uh, members who are trained to do that, to make those calls. And that is a really, really important role. So we could definitely do with more people doing that stuff. Um, around eviction resistance as well, we're obviously like training people across the city to be able to do that. So we can do train the trainer stuff as well. If you want to become a trainer, you know, there's there's loads to do, absolutely loads. Um, but just come in first and see what see what's going on. And in terms of how has being an, a part of a union affected other areas of my life, I'm just over. I just love. I just love. I just love the people there. Minute, <laughs> like. Um, I feel really enriched with the relationships that I've built with people like Gazal um, and that feeling that that community vibe cannot be replaced. It's a huge part of my life. Um, I have a lot of love for people and they give me a lot of love as well. So that's that's affected my life. Um, yeah. And sorry, sorry. <laughs> and. Um, I think that it's just shifted how I, because I didn't do much, that much action before this. I did bits and bobs, but I don't know. I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot from 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 people's ability to yeah come come and collectivize together. That's beautiful. And do you know what? When um, I heard about the really sad passing of Michael Brooks. I didn't really know who Michael Brooks was. And I, I did some Googling and went on YouTube and like listened to some of his stuff. And it's something that you've just said then, Amina, about like the love for other people is weird. Like our activism, I feel like often should come from and gets missed. Um, so I'm trying to like practice that myself at the, yeah, no one wants to know about me. Don't know why I'm saying that, but anyway. Uh, next question. <laughs> Um, so here we go on the screen. Should councils be allowed to sell existing housing stock to social tenants? Who wants to come in? Um, I'm happy to give my opinion on that. Um, so my answer is no. I think we we need more social housing, not less. Like we like the yeah like the, the selling off of social housing stock has just been absolutely awful and when you look at the look at the housing lists the social housing lists in places with you know places like london and bristol they are you know there are people who are in desperate need of housing who are just who, who are just not going to get it because they're they're deemed to be you know of lower need and there's just there's just no chance of them getting the social housing that they require so we need you know we need to not sell off us to social housing stock we need to not expand that to housing associations as well when we need massive widespread building of social housing across the country um you know i at the same time i don't bemoan any social housing tenants who want to buy like their house like i'm not in any way 
placing the blame at the, at the tenant's feet like i would want to do that my parents did that with us where they were in a council house and they did it. you know i don't like i don't bemoan that for one second but we need a better system um you know whereby we where house prices should be lower because we haven't got landlords buying up you know huge amounts of stock to have you know some landlords with hundreds of properties like there are things that we can do to get people those sort of people on the housing ladder that doesn't involve them buying social housing stock Anyone else want to come in? I just, I agree with everything Owen said. And like, I think about my housing history um, and the fact that, yeah, like my, I, I, when I was born, my family were in a council home, um, managed to buy it um, and then sold it. And then like when, from the age of three upwards, I was like in a house right and it was like wow it's because of this system that like i'm able to like be more secure now that's a privilege but it's not it shouldn't be this way um and we need to change it the right to buy is trash brilliant um next question if i could just get the tech team to get it up on the screen because i've lost myself a little bit okay perfect um should people who have been given housing due to historical or current qualifying factors then be required to leave their social housing to those who need it more if their circumstances change i'm really dyslexic so reading off the screen is not my strong point so if i mess it up then i apologize but yeah um is that clear for everyone Oh, and you, I can see you nodding. Do you want to go first? Um, yeah, I, I think this kind of ties into the, la the last question. I mean, no, I don't. I don't think people should have to leave their housing. Like, I'm, I'm never going to advocate like people being evicted from their social housing. We need more social housing. That's the answer. So, I think it ties into the last question. So, we need to not sell off our social housing stock. We need to build much more social housing so that it can accommodate everyone. Social housing at the moment now, you know, it is is there's only enough social housing for people who are really in need, but we should have social housing across the board for anyone who, anyone who wants it and needs it. So, so no, I don't, I don't think the answer is to, is to um, take possession action against existing social housing tenants. You know, we, we have to have a, a, a better answer than that. And, and, you know, I think the answer is in, in much, much more social housing built across the country. Can I add something to it? very quickly. So I just feel like it's an elephant in the room. Yes, like we need to build social housing. And that is the most important thing. Uh, but also the stigma that is attached to social housing will only be removed if we build more and better quality and not have huge discrimination between, you know, in quality between the ones uh, that are for uh, that are social housing and private or the ones built by private land private developers um so yes it needs a big overhaul and uh, can i also just quickly say that george clark's um programs uh, and the one about venice was amazing and i think i don't know why we can't do that i'm, I'm sure we can do that i'm sure uk can do this yeah thank you um 
if I could just get the tech team to put the next one up because I'm going a bit confused. There we go. Um, how public facing should people active in renters unions be? And is there a risk of repercussions from landlords? Really good question. Who wants to take it? Gazal, do you want to go? I didn't understand the mm -hmm. question. How public facing should people active in renters unions be? Is there a risk of repercussions from landlords? So I feel if you believe in it, if you know what uh, you are standing up for, then I don't think there should be a, a problem in, you know, you expressing that. That is what I feel. And um, why should there be? There's nothing wrong. You're not, you're not, uh, why is that considered to be anything wrong? I mean, you're standing up for an idea that everyone has a right to uh, safe housing. What What is, I don't see a problem in it and I don't see why, um, why uh, they should face any kind of repercussions for that. Yeah, can I jump in after that? Like I, don't think we need to be scared of landlords like we as like a union are like a lot more powerful than each individual landlord landlords are not organized and they're not going to be getting organized anytime soon so i i think we can be as, as public facing as each, as each person wants to be like i i don't think we've had the situation situation where we've had like members subjected to repercussion by landlords and ultimately they have more to lose than us and so like we we shouldn't fear them because you know as i said earlier like it's quite easy to turn the balance of power against them in when we have strength in numbers and when the community comes together yeah yeah totally um so the next question we're going to come to is what would you advise to students who are in the process of setting up a student renters union uh oh i'll just put in this. okay cool um i guess be visible on your campus and get chatting and more importantly listening um to all of the students and and their housing issues so just asking you know hey like what what are you finding with the quality of your your housing like are you happy you just moved in do you think you're getting do you think you're getting um a good service for your money um and most probably they'll say no, and you'll be like, okay, can I take your name and your number down, please? And can we go for a cup of tea? And can we have a one-to-one? -one? And yeah, so like um, in community organizing, there's there's a tool we use, which, which are one-to-ones. And it, it helps you to understand someone's perspective or like someone's intentions and motivations um, for wanting to do something, um, like being in a union. Um, and then you can find out if you can work together or take action together. Um, and then how, how, what you want to do moving forward. So I build really slowly, um, and get some really good relationships going on, then build up to a meeting and then like discuss what you want to change and then keep doing the outreach alongside that process and build and build and build until you've got enough people and then do like a, a structure test of like how many, you know, people pledging that they'd go on strike kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, do it. 
I love the peak organizer speakers coming out. Love it, Mina. The structure test, the one to us. <laughs> um, Owen, I saw you unmute. Did you want to come in? Um, what Amina said, basically, and just like start off with small, like small actions against landlords and celebrate those wins. Like that is so important to celebrate those wins. You get that that win where you get a landlord to do repairs, give compensation, whatever. You tell everyone about it, and then more people will want to come and join join the union so that they can have their issues addressed. Gazelle, did you want to come in? No, no, I think what Amina said was amazing and pretty complete. <laughs> Wicked. Um, so next question is, what is the direction we should take in rural areas? Most of what I have read about renters, unions and tenants organising have been in big towns and cities. Good question. Who would like to run with that one? <laughs> I feel like my reality is so far removed. Like from people in rural areas so I don't even know what to say at this point but like where there are people there is power so find your common find your common thing that you want to fight on and discuss how you're going to do that together I think you know when I look at rural areas and how they fought against um what's the climate stuff that's going on King's North Ex what do you call it existence oh God, no no there's been like what do you call it? The the, the drilling in the ground. The... Fracking. Oh. Yes, fracking. <laughs> the way that rural communities have come out and like fought. You can do it with housing as well, I'm sure. But I don't know how because my, I, yeah. But where there is people, where there are people, there is power. And where you have sh shared common interests, you can still do it. I believe that. Owen, do you want to come in on rural? Yeah, I mean, I... I think I think that it's really important that you're not going in there with a predetermined agenda of what what issues or whatever you want to push. It's about finding out what is what is what are, what are the the commonalities. What what issues is it that those that that drives people in those communities? And that is going to be really different to in to in urban areas. But it's all about listening. It really is. And you know, you know, you might ultimately you might find that some of the things are. I, I guess you know there's going to be different political kind of elements to sort of a lot of rural communities concerns and that might not sit that comfortably I don't know but yeah it's all about listening really and and, and finding out about the issues that resonate with people in those communities. I can even come in on this a little bit actually so like rural poverty uh, in Wales is is a real big issue um and there are some protests coming up by an organization called in dodd anyone from wales uh check out in dodd um and they're protesting against the trade bill that's coming up and what they're doing is i think this is wicked all the farmers are getting together to protest the like lowering of standards on the meat that they're uh, selling across the country etc and they're protesting by like just putting their tractors through the main streets <laughs> it's going to be brilliant there's just going to be like lines and lines of tractors across the country in a couple of weeks it's going to be sick I can't wait. Anyway, I should not be answering the questions. I'm the chair. So I'm going to move on. Um, the last one is, um, I'll wait for it to come up. There we go. Amina mentioned the police aiding landlords with illegal evictions. How did you, how did you got about get about challenging this? Sorry. Um, and the police? No, <laughs> like i'm sorry but the police are never gonna like protect 
um, tenants or working class people in general. Um, and especially when you've got a community of black and brown people, minor, like ethnic minority um, pe people. So it's just like challenging it has to be challenging the fact that the police are not accountable for their actions um, in so many regards. But I think that with evictions, like uh, what's, what was really illuminating for me is we've got, we have one member, right, who who is being harassed constantly by his landlord um, over the last five years. And he called the police round because the landlord came round again um, and was behaving aggressively. Um, and the police gave him false information on his rights which is quite serious when you think about it. Like he, he, he showed them his tenancy and it ended in 2014, but obviously you have a rolling contract in it if you're an assured shorthold tenant. And they said, oh, your contract ended in 2014. So the landlord has a right, the right to evict you. And on top of that, there's a ban on evictions. So even if you thought that was the case, there's a ban on eviction. So the police won't, won't ever protect us. So it's up to us. I think this is like a cross, you know, when we look at Black Lives Matter as well, when we're saying Black Lives Matter, sorry, I'm bringing it in. We're also talking about this stuff. We're talking about everybody. We're talking about how the police need to be accountable for their actions. Um, and that, yeah, it extends to this as well, so. Just to add, just to add in a couple a couple of bits there. Like we always have like a dedicated police liaison officer who goes and deals with the police, who's who's like trained and clued up and knows people's rights and you know like what the law is about stuff. But also we video everything, we document everything. You know, so we we video every yeah like every action we do, we take photographs so that that so that we can hold hold the or at least attempt to hold the police to account for if if they're not if they're not following the law themselves. Um, so I think that's really important because you're documenting that you're not the ones breaking the law there. And the, you know, the landlord is, I mean, you know, we, we document it even if it's legal evictions, cause we still wouldn't, would have, well, police still shouldn't, you know, enforce entry when it's a county court eviction in no way. Exactly. I definitely want to be the police liaison person. I just play dumb. I'd be like, what? In my thick as Valley's accent, what do you say? <laughs> Anyway, right, um, I'm going to start to bring this to a close, folks, because we've been going for a while now, but I just want to say thank you to all the speakers tonight for coming along and sharing their work and their stories with us. And to remind everyone watching, if you're a member of Momentum Number 1, please check your emails for your links um, where you can sign up to the eviction resistance campaign. And also, everyone, join a tenants union. So we've already had one joiner in the chat. Like, why haven't we got 10 joiners in the chat? Come on, folks, everyone join a tenants union. Join uh, Acorn or London Renters Union, respectively. Um, and just before we go, a few last announcements. Uh, to continue the discussions, we have set up a dedicated space for our community forum. If you have already set up your account, you can click this link in the chat to find the relevant discussion to this event. So the link will go in the chat in a second. If you're registered for the festival, check your email for sign up for a sign up link to the form. If you're unable to find a sign up link, please email info at theworldtransform.org. 
Um, also remember that there are loads of events at TWT20 and they fill in up quickly. So be sure to register for any that you'd like to attend as quickly as possible. So make sure that you've registered for the festival at theworldtransformed.org forward slash register and then go to the individual event you'd like to register for on the program. And finally, if, you'd, if you've enjoyed this session and would like to help us sustain our work throughout the festival and beyond, please do consider supporting us at um, theworldtransformed.org forward slash support. So thanks everyone. Thanks to all the speakers and good night. View the full TWT 20 program and become a supporter today to help us deliver political education all year round at theworldtransformed.org.